0: I say, an audio cast for sensible people. I listen all you fighters who don't want to meet defeat. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen,
1: to the Duffercast.
0: I listen all you pride fighters, who don't want to meet defeat.
2: Episode three, multiply redundant.
0: Take a tip from me The of you, Lewis is being
1: Maybe we should explain why uh, several of the duffers are being extremely quiet tonight. Um in particular Gavin isn't here and Yannick isn't here and Dave, who has been speaking, might be looking after a baby, so he's having to keep quiet. Is that right, Dave?
2: Can you speak? No, I'm I'm just, just being completely ignorant and, and not saying anything. That's all it is.
1: Oh, I see. I thought you'd gone back looking after your baby. No, no, you're just no, just falling asleep. <laughs> I
2: have passed the buck to the wife. She is, uh, um, she is looking. Well, in fact, he's in bed now, anyway. So,
3: ah, oh, very good. So, does he stay in bed for um, the full night then, or does he wake up, or how frequently does he wake up?
2: I am incredibly proud of the fact that our five and a half month old baby has been sleeping through the night since he was six weeks old.
3: Oh, lucky you.
2: Three out of three, mate. Not bad. Not bad at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're a lucky, lucky man. It's not luck. Uh, should we be funny social services? <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: that's not quite what I meant.
1: Or oh, you meant it's genetic?
2: Um, uh, we're, we're just good at what we do. What, what can I say? <laughs> okay. Very good. Better hide that bottle of whiskey.
4: Or have you, maybe your house is built according to feng shui, you know, the power lines and everything, so,
2: Um,
1: no. There's one bit of advice that uh, feng shui gives us that I thought was particularly good. It's that uh, make sure you keep the toilet lid closed. Um, They didn't also mention the other one, which I like, which is always remember to flush the toilet after use. You know, but these things really should be in there, I think.
2: Wouldn't keep the toilet lid closed get really messy after a while.
1: That's a good point. Yes, I never thought about that.
2: Yeah, maybe that's where we're going wrong. We tend to lift the lid when we're using the toilet and then put it back again afterwards. So I do. The wife doesn't.
3: Well, the wife doesn't lift the lid. No, she
2: doesn't put it back again afterwards.
1: Yeah, on our list of things to talk about, uh, your toilet habits isn't mentioned strangely <laughs> enough. But <laughs> one let me, thing. Let me just go and add it. <laughs> yes, I can, I can <laughs> see stuff moving yeah. um, oh, We should uh, mention I don't know who put this in but it's a good idea um, We should raise a glass to uh, at Theru on uh, status.net Fediverse who has reached Dufferhood
3: Cheers to Theru mm-hmm. yeah. Happy birthday Cheers, happy
4: birthday
2: I might open a bottle of beer in, on, uh, in his honour
3: I think we should uh,
4: Theru is also I think one of the quite few people who actually have a Gopher
3: site. Yeah, he has. Um, I've, I've looked at it. as Well, it's um, there's not a lot on there, but it's quite interesting.
4: I had
2: a Gopher site running for a while because it seemed like the cool thing to do. Um, you know, going back to the uh, the the age before the internet or before the World Wide Web. Um, but I I just abandoned it.
1: Well, talking about the early days of the web. any of you read about Jumpstart, the search engine created by this computer technician in the University of Stirling? thought that was an amazing story. I I must have used Jumpstart, but I don't remember it, because I certainly remember searching for pages uh, at that time, and since there was nothing else you could use, it must have been
3: that. Yeah, I do. I saw it on the um, BBC website. It's um, something like five years before Google, launched it or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was before any other
1: search engine existed at that time.
3: Uh, so it's 90, this is
1: nineteen ninety three, the end of ninety three, I think. Uh, at that time, the only, to navigate the World Wide Web, there were so few sites you could just get around by, you know, going to lists of sites uh, that people had compiled, and you just looked down the list and you would bookmark stuff. And I remember that's that's what I would do. And then I do remember the first time I used a search engine. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is quite nice. Uh, uh, although you almost got no results because there was hardly any web pages back then.
4: So that uh, jumpstart, did it like had an automatic bot searching for pages? Or it was not like a catalog then, it was a search engine?
3: Yeah, it was a proper it was a proper search engine. It was the first um, spider uh, bot that actually went and indexed web pages. Yeah, About
4: 1993, that's
3: early. <laughs> very early.
1: And he did it on the side well he wasn't really paid to do it and I think the reason it ended is because he just basically ran out of resources as the web grew he had no capacity to grow with it and the university in their finite wisdom didn't recognise what an amazing thing he'd done. Guess not many people would at that time to be fair but uh, what was his name? Fletcher was his name wasn't it I think it was Fletcher. Yeah,
3: Yes it was it was, hang on I'm looking now it's uh... Uh, Jonathan Fletcher. Jonathan Fletcher. And by 1994, he'd indexed 270, 275,000 pages and run out, of, run out of space. And that was it. Wow.
4: Yeah, He's an unsung hero. I never heard of the search engine, even.
3: No, neither had I until I saw this story the other um, I think it was either yesterday or today. So it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, so they, although he they did get some recognition, he was up there at some conference in Dublin with uh, with peers from Google and uh, other big companies being recognised for it. So that was quite a nice thing to do.
2: Yeah. I'm just trying to find out about it. I, I'm not finding any pages about it.
1: Oh, uh, could be a strange collective dream uh, that we've been having.
2: What, you didn't think to invite? Thanks.
1: I'm sorry, but it wasn't a dirty dream. It was just a normal one.
2: Maybe Google is not indexing anything about Jumpstart just for uh, just out of spite.
1: Yeah, actually, I see what you mean. Yeah. I can't find anything either, although I definitely read about it. Uh...
3: Well, I saw it on the BBC uh, news page. Um, I've not seen any mention of him elsewhere.
2: The only thing I can find on the BBC news page is uh, electric cars. And that's
3: it? And that's all the news there is? Pretty much.
1: Okay, I found. Uh, yeah, it's if you. It's quite hard to find, surprisingly. But Jonathan Fletcher, jump start web search in Google. Uh, if you scroll down, you'll find the link to the BBC story. I really am surprised. <laughs> it's that hard to find. Crashed.
3: Oops!
1: Everything has crashed. Everything, absolutely everything.
2: F- the, the the fabric of the universe down my broadband connection <laughs> has crashed.
1: You didn't type Google into Google, did you? <laughs> Is that a problem? Well, according to a a, a very well respected TV program, it will bring down the internet.
2: Recursive searching. Oh no! Oh noes! What have I done?
4: What have you done?
2: I've broken Google.
3: Actually,
1: my my Google Docs are refusing to work as well just now. Ah, oh. oh, look, we've broken Google by searching for Jumpstart too much.
3: On the subject of breaking Google, did you hear about the um, Nokia phone um, sale to Microsoft? Neat segue there. Yeah,
2: my <laughs> I don't know whether I've shared this with you already or not, but my feelings on this is is fairly straightforward. Uh they haven't got a chance. No. They have done it again. They've they've realized that they're behind in a um, a market that they once led, and they're now trying whatever they can try. Buying Nokia or buying the mobile division of Nokia is, is as desperate as Google buying the mobile division of, of Motorola. Um, it's going to do nothing for either company.
3: I did see one article, actually, that was quite interesting, because what, what they were saying is, Basically, Nokia have divested themselves of, their mo- of the of making, of, you know, they, they, they've got out of making phones, which is expensive in the race to the bottom, which means that they can now focus on uh, location and something else, and mapping and something else, which they're actually quite good at and can then license that to other suppliers. So it might be good for Nokia as a company that they've got out of hand, of mobile phones.
4: I think the Nokia still has uh, the company still uh, has the like infrastructure division or something. I mean, telephone, mobile, masts or servers or
3: something. They've also got mapping, and and the mapping thing apparently is, is actually doing quite well. It's just that it's licensed into other tech ta- in, into in, into other um, technologies, so you never see it directly. So. Is basically, that,
1: Is it here maps is that Nokia's. Uh... That's the one,
3: that's the one, yeah, yeah. Because
1: that's that's the one that I, I got. I, I I got one of those ZTE Open Firefox OS phones off eBay last week for last, and that was the mapping application on Here Maps. And I wondered where it can come, come from, and I found out it was Nokia. I think.
3: Yeah, and that yeah, and that's. What what I was reading is basically if Nokia can get out of actually bothering to manufa- manufacture the phone and just supply all the uh, apps and stuff, you know, that stuff like Firefox OS are using, then they've got they they actually have a good future ahead of themselves, just not as a as a mobile manufacturer anymore.
2: But at the same time, that then gives Microsoft the edge because they're now in the same ballpark as Apple are, where they are then creating hardware that can integrate much more tightly with the operating system that they create.
4: It's uh, Microsoft has, well, they have invented stuff, but a lot of times they have either bought up companies, like even DOS at the start, or they have like uh, uh, worked together with some company and then like uh, withdrew with uh, a lot of knowledge, like for example, their SQL server, they did something with Sybase, which was the big, I think the second biggest database uh application one time and then Mm. i think they collaborated and then microsoft went on their own and uh, hey ho they had a (laughs) sql server and uh, about the same happened i think with os2 and uh that's right nt and so collaborating with microsoft is usually very (laughs)
3: dangerous i think the thing with microsoft though is they've never been that good at innovating and they've never been that sharp at spotting new trends they, but they, but until now they've always been able to take advantage of the fact that they dominate on the desktop so that people wait to see what Microsoft are doing or people have waited to see what Microsoft are doing which allows them to catch up every time they miss the boat and the question now is with tablets and phones and what have you, will people make wait for Microsoft anymore and if they don't then Microsoft are really in trouble
1: so My understanding is that um that the new companies are the ones that really innovate and you, you when a company is exploding on the scene like google did uh, uh during the last decade that's when you'll see this huge flurry of activity that's where a, a a relatively big company can produce innovation but then after the after about a decade like you're saying microsoft lost the ability to to innovate and the only way you can get innovations in is by buying them and I think all the com- big companies end up doing that IBM went through that phase and I think Google are now entering that phase where it's hard to innovate inside a big company and um, so it's inevitable that they have to buy companies up to get the, <laughs> the new ideas in um, but one interesting thing that I read uh, recently is that Apple in the US and the UK is starting to take market share away from Android again, Android still dominant um, but new adopters are are, are showing signs of uh, picking up the the windows uh, phones uh, that are that are just coming out uh, which oh it's still uh you know it's a still it's still a very small amount it said but uh, significant that the new adopters are are, are veering towards windows phones
4: I was uh, with my son actually in the shop a few days ago because he was buying a new phone, so I just went i don't know anything about smartphones but And we looked at some Nokia with Windows operating system and the phone itself really felt nice, like it was really good hardware. I mean, just feeling of it. And I thought the Windows operating system on on a phone, it looked really nice and uh, with those big buttons, but then underneath is just Microsoft. So I don't think it's a very interesting product. (laughs)
1: No, I, I, I was keen I, mean, I can, I can, I can see why that people might be moving away uh, from Android at the moment, uh, and that's you know because I that's why I'm interested in uh, Firefox OS. Is I'd really like to see something new and more open uh, than than Android, which is open source but not openly developed.
3: So, are you interested in the Ubuntu Edge then at all, or, or you just ignore that one completely?
1: No, I, I would be interested in it, but can I? Can I? Uh, I don't think I can buy. A, can I buy a phone with Ubuntu Edge on it yet?
3: Not yet. I don't think so. I think so. I think I think they have managed to install it on a Nexus, though. Have, have they not, or am I? or did I imagine that?
2: You can certainly install Ubuntu Touch on a Nexus device purely because it is unlocked.
4: Uh, is uh, Ubuntu Edge like a specific model or something? It was just not uh, any. Phone.
3: That was the one. That was the one they tried to um, fund, or claimed to be trying to fund through Kickstarter. Yeah, I've heard as a as lot.
4: Understand- oh, sorry. Please go ahead. No, I was
2: just going to say, as I understand it, the Ubuntu Edge was going to be the the first phone which has the Ubuntu Touch interface, the full Ubuntu Touch interface on it, including the um, the hardware and software ability to to dock the phone and it instantly become a desktop machine for you or a laptop machine for you. But yeah, Ubuntu um, Touch the uh, is is the OS behind it, which they I think they're ultimately going to move Ubuntu across to wholesale.
4: Um, I think Mike, somebody I don't remember who, but pointed out that Microsoft is not really a software company; it's a platform company. So before they like they had the almost monopoly on the client OS, and then they had. Different server software and uh, mail and Outlook and I, well, I don't know all this and they like have the, old, the whole platform, especially for companies without actually having to make any hardware and or Apple on the other. hand, it always has been a hardware company actually selling hardware but now when the, the software the uh, I mean operating system and they don't dominate as much anymore so they have to rethink the platform so for, for example xbox has been successful because gaming consoles are actually platforms i mean it's xbox so xbox doesn't have 95% of the market but they i don't know maybe 30% but it's a big market so And it's a platform system, both PlayStation. So it fits Microsoft very well. They do the whole thing, hardware, software, and then the Play Store or what it's called. I I read that people have to pay a monthly fee to play online or something. It's just really ridiculous. (laughs) They're very good at that. So now they think phone, hardware, software, and they like integrated and then App Store. So it's like platform. Philosophy.
2: I don't know what they're expecting to do, really, because from a, from a monetary aspect, I don't know who told me this, but I'm pretty certain I've heard, that Microsoft's biggest um, turnover comes from the sale of licenses to Office.
3: I'd heard the same. The, it's, yeah, they they basically all their revenue is coming hmm. from Office.
2: So how, how on earth are they going to touch anything like what they're getting through for Office with any other hardware, software, um, software as a service? Platform that they could potentially put out is going to have any impact on their revenue in such a way that Office does.
3: I don't think they can. I honestly don't. I think, yeah, Microsoft is a company that's got got to where it is by you know basically by exploiting Office and exploiting the you know the fact that they own Office and Windows and now people are moving away from windows and offices well we offices still important in offices but windows is becoming less and less important and microsoft really are starting to seem to be panicking a bit about where do they go from here
2: well they need to come up with something new and I've already said that there's just no evidence of of anything remotely resembling innovation which is a to be, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not a great fan of Microsoft. I'm not a great fan of Microsoft products. I develop on Microsoft platforms for a living. That's how I earn my wage. But And, and Microsoft Office is actually an incredibly good, albeit very bloated, suite of, of, of programs. But to say that they did, did they innovate or did they just succeed with the Windows Phone platform back in the um, late 90s, early 2000s? They had the smartphone market, and they they just sat on it, and it went nowhere. And that's somewhere where they could have had a phenomenal success, but they lost it out to, well, primarily to Apple, because they just didn't innovate. They just didn't put the money into it. And, of course, they got returned back that they deserved.
4: I suppose they didn't have the guts or the fantasy to, uh, imagination, I mean, to go for the phone thing.
1: suppose it's a good example of what a dead end a monopoly can be even for a company uh i mean they're extremely wealthy make huge profits and are still making huge profits of uh the monopoly of the of the desktop um but then what's the incentive internally in the company if you're doing so well i can see that in that being really inventive is not what you would strive to whereas you know I can also see how Steve Jobs with faltering Apple has got every incentive to, to take a huge gamble like that uh, although i suppose from his point of view it wasn't a gamble he was utterly sure of what he was doing wasn't he
3: i think you've hit the nail on the head there really it's a company gets to a certain size and a certain revenue and the mentality becomes first take no risks and once they get to that then they you know then the the company culture becomes one that you know can kind of motivates against innovation
4: also, now the Microsoft has this, I think it's called Office 365. It's some kind of cloud solution. And then what's the difference between that and Google Drive, Mail, etc. And then I thought if, I, I'm a bit surprised that I mean, companies actually have their, all their stuff in the cloud, like Google or something. And then now Microsoft is going the same way. And recently, with all this talk of uh, surveillance and leaking, and so maybe companies will start thinking about actually having control of their own servers and so on. And then it's, who, where are they going to turn to? Well, Microsoft still has a lot of software for that. And uh, maybe no one else, I'm not sure.
3: I, I see people talking about Putting stuff like on, like Office 365 in the cloud and Google Docs in the cloud, but you, I see the talk, but none of the I've never worked for a company that's ever done anything like that. It's every every place I work, it's we have Microsoft Office, it's on the desktop. Your documents are locally, they're on the server in the company. I, I don't see, in terms of businesses and companies, I don't see who would be buying Office 365 or Google Docs. I, I I'm just not convinced at all.
1: I think the market for me, if I was trying to sell it, would be small uh, and, and growing companies uh, because companies that I've founded, uh, well, used uh, Google Docs and uh, uh, the Gmail and all the rest. is a really quick and cheap way, and of course, then it became more and more. More expensive to use. Not very expensive, but Google made it harder to get the free stuff for, for a company. But that said, for an existing group of people who are already used to using uh, the, the old tools, their you know, desktop, mail client, Outlook, whoever, uh, getting them to move away from that towards uh, Google Drive, Office 365, is really tough because they just, because uh, with all its faults, for a lot of these people, they're, they're used to emailing documents backwards and forwards and using track changes and all the things that I've Not not used for years because I find them all very clunky And um, so I suppose it's it's, it's it's the age-old problem is if people think it's working for them They're not going to change and so it's a generational thing the generation has to <laughs> die out and retire as it were And a new generation comes along and embraces the new way of doing things
3: It's an interesting point. Um, does anyone know that things like Google? I mean, I, things like Google Docs, things like Office three six five. Do you know if there's anyone producing that sort of software that can be installed on a local or a corporate server? Because that I can see, I can see uh, that, that that would be popular. I still don't think major companies are going to put stuff in the cloud.
1: Don't know whether Open Source. Go, go ahead, Dave. So I was about to see exactly the same thing.
2: No, I was just going to say I don't know whether our own cloud has has um, a, a plugin functionality that will allow, um, at, at the very least, the basic editing of the same sort of kind of documents that both Google Docs and 365 allow. Um, I mean, failing that, things like um, I mean, it, I mean, Etherpad and PiratePad, Pad they, they they offer basic word processing functionality, but certainly nowhere near the likes of. Um, of Office, I'm going to say Office 365 is probably the most fully featured um, out of it. And, and Google, what was the other one? The, um, the one that began with Zed? Was it um,
1: Z- Z- Zune? No, Zune. No, Zen
2: Z- Office. Zen Office was that the one? No, it was. It was. It was. It was cloud based. I've got Zen App in my head, but I'm looking at my screen. And it says Tin App on it, so that's probably
1: not helping. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I can. I can almost. I can think of the one you mean, but I can't. Uh but I don't know whether Microsoft um, acquired
2: that in order to put 365 together, now that I think about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, own cloud is something that I use now, and it's a direct comparison but to, say, Google Drive is, is unfair because there really is no t- text editor to compare with the Google Docs text editor or a spreadsheet or anything like that. Uh, as far as I'm aware, at least the default installation, maybe there's some plugins or apps for it that enhance it um but the desktop client syncing is, is is now rather good, and I can access the phones and the files from my phone or my laptop and when I think of it that way, I think oh, well, I just use all my desktop apps, but I've got all the advantages of the cloud, and the cloud can be in my server or somebody else's server or you know some hosted server um, and i'm I'm, I'm after using, trying to use OwnCloud for well, I guess it's a couple of years now. I'm starting to see a way it could get rid of Google Drive for me, or, or replace Google Drive for me, and even do so in a in a company of you know a, a small company with fairly open-minded tech, techie, slightly techie, um, but it is different. It's, it's going down a different road to uh, the, the big boys. Lion, lion.
4: looking at our uh, show notes i can see there is like a marking around certain of the text boxes or cells maybe it's called cells and it says like it's a green one and then it says andrew i've never noticed that does it mean you have marked it at just at the moment
3: or no that it means that's where andrew's got his cursor at the moment Ooh.
1: You'll you'll see mine flying around the screen now. Where have I put my cursor? Oh, my goodness.
2: (laughs) You're
4: there. I'm on top of you. (laughs) 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 It's hard to do any sneaky editing on on this Google Drive, then.
3: (laughs) You have to wait till everyone's gone to bed and then come back and change it all.
2: (laughs) I found out the name of that um, office suite that I was thinking of. Oh, do tell us. It's called Zoho.
1: That's it. That's the one. I remember it now.
2: Um, and it, it functionality-wise, it actually seems more akin to 365 than it does Google Docs because it has um, projects, a bug tracker. It's got a CRM built in. It's got invoicing. Um, it's got wiki functionality. It's almost like um, a kind of an extranet, like a business extranet, so you can kind of build almost your, your entire business corporate infrastructure around this one process, but it's all cloud-based rather than using something like SAP or um, your uh, Oracle eBusiness Suite and stuff like that.
1: To change the subject completely, I, I've got my phone sitting next to me. I just picked it up. And, um, on uh, In the Fediverse on StatusNet. WhistleWrite seems to be denting little pieces of slightly bizarre erotica. I don't know if he's writing it himself, always oh, getting it from somewhere, but it's very funny.
2: He was a gal who only responded to doll and fat wallets. Yes. She wore a rather conservative business suit, the cut of which revealed a body built for those with a reckless mind and a daring heart. I hope
4: I'm not breaking copyright law.
1: That last bit isn't very erotic. Well, at least it must be a
3: fetish thing.
4: Is he doing? That's it quite long dent for uh,
3: microblogging. Yeah, there's too many too many. Instances have uh, too long um, uh, character limits, I think, these days. Oh, that's an interesting
1: discussion, because I'm just so delighted that I'm not restricted to 140 characters anymore. They're driving me up the wall. My, having said that, most of my dents are probably still under that limit, but occasionally I... Well, the best thing is you can post a full, unshortened link. That's the thing I like best about it. You're on FragDev, aren't you? I am. Uh, and oh, what's, uh, what's
2: the character limit there?
1: Oh, a, a thousand and something or other. Yeah, but uh, I have to say thank you to Atwindigo for uh, for providing uh, my home in uh, micro.fragdev.com.
3: See, I I really like the hundred forty character thing because you you, you know it is when when I look at, when I look at Hey Buddy or I or whatever, it's just a stream of single thoughts and it's very easy to jump into. When you get into like when once the uh, character limit gets too high, then you've either got to click through to read the full post, or you've got too much clutter on your screen, and you lose the sense of just a, a load of chatty going on.
2: I chose two eighty as the character limit on my instance because I felt that it it still remained fairly micro in terms of microblogging, but I was often always finding that. When I was on Identica, my brief stint on the status note version of Identica, that because I tend to type things out in full and hopefully grammatically correct, I had to um, compromise my um, grammatical standards in order to fit what I wanted to say into 140 characters. And I, I know it sounds crazy, but I just didn't like doing it. So 280 allows me to do the 140 character thing, in my
3: words. See, when I I I know what you mean, and I have had the case occasionally, and and it's quite it is actually quite rare that I can't fit a thought into one hundred and forty characters. But if I if if I find that I need to post too dense to you know express exactly what I want to say, then I'm not above doing that. So it's yeah, it swings around about. I think
4: I think one hundred and forty is quite okay, but the problem is links and then it's like URL shorteners and somebody a few days ago somewhere on the Fediverse pointed out that if the URL shortener company or instances somehow stops working, then there are a lot of links that doesn't really mean anything anymore or something like that. So it's URL shorteners should be avoided. and i suppose they're mostly used on twitter and microblogging but
3: i think that depends certainly if you're writing something that you expect to be, be you know still be around in two or three months time then yeah avoid url shorteners but again for microblogging i tend to treat it like a live station i look at what's being said right now and what people were saying two two weeks ago, or even two days ago, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to go back and look at. So, if that URL, if, if I use the URL, URL and it's a today, and that company closes down tomorrow, it doesn't really matter, as far as I'm concerned. It's you know because it's it it is really essentially ephemeral. So,
4: yeah, I suppose. I mean, on on Twitter there. are I, I don't use Twitter, but I suppose there are more. Uh, how would you say? Uh, like serious people twitter from uh, i don't know places of political upheaval or something and maybe link stuff and um, it could be that there is some value in some tweets at least in the future but i'm not sure
3: again i think the value of it uh like um, status net is its immediacy, um, and it's like you know we're talking about links, and it's like for 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 the long term stuff, yeah, the stuff being linked to has value, but Twitter itself is its Twitter status net microblogging sites is the, the 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 value of them is the immediacy. I don't think that we need to worry. It's, it's not something that I really see that we want to necessarily index everything that's ever ever state, posted on there because most of it is you know. Very time limited, and once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah,
1: I, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think I feel much the same way. Uh, but I, but my, my big thing about uh, link shorteners is you can't see where you're about to go to, uh, especially on a touchscreen device. You're just trusting the person who's posted the link that it's not going to be something, you know, like phishing or like spammy or, you know, whatever. Uh, and uh, I think that's my, my biggest reason.
4: Uh, we, I just struck me. We never, we
1: forgot to introduce ourselves. Well, I did introduce the people that weren't here. Good morning. This is this
3: is the Duffercast.
1: <laughs> I see what you nearly did there. Yes, and it's the award-winning the uh, bu- 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 Duffercast.
3: Right,
2: Paul, you now owe me a bumper for the Bugcast.
3: I'll see what I can do.
2: How much did he
4: pay you?
1: it could have been worse you could have called it the bugger cast
3: actually (laughs) i
4: wrote that by mistake in a mail we had a very early conversation about i think there was something i think maybe before our first episode even and i wrote in one mail and i i saw that like a few days after i'd written it and sent it off and i actually wrote bugger cast. (laughs) i kind of (laughs) it was kind of embarrassing and nobody mentioned it, so I'm not sure if you were polite or just didn't know
2: this. Thank you to the advanced search capabilities of Google Mail. I've just found it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let me see if I can find the actual. There we go. Um, oh, we were talking about flatters. Um, and you, uh, you, Michael, asked um, where, where, do, where do you flatter? Is it on one of the new Buggercast flatters?
1: <laughs> okay.
2: But have been, we've been
4: called worse.
1: Oh, well, I've certainly been called worse.
4: Oh yes. Uh, can you tell us something? I mean, this, is uh, this part of the long-running series, the therapy sessions with Andrew, or what did we say last time? Uh, it was Magnolia in the chair, wasn't it?
1: Oh yes, yes. I did, I did, I did email you the link uh, to that. I don't know if it can make it into this episode uh, or not. Um, but if it is going to go in, it could go in here. Hello, I'm so glad you can join me here in my armchair, although you're not sitting in my lab because there is a small ginger and white pussy occupying it just now. I'm sat in this extremely comfortable armchair in Mingus or Menzies Castle in the heart of Scotland near the village of Aberfeldy. Near me is a log fire which you may well hear crackling and around me in the laird's room of the castle is the faded grandeur of what once would have housed one of the oldest and most prestigious clans in Scotland. Of course the whole clan thing is a bit of bollocks, that's mainly tourism these days, like kilts and uh, even whisky to some extent, but I'm not going to sully this with that kind of cynicism. No, instead I have a nice, malt, Blair Athol in fact, We dram in my right hand, and in my left hand I'm holding my phone, which is not at all in keeping with the rest of the castle. The castle itself fell into almost ruinous state and was rescued by members of the clan in a heroic effort over the last 40 years. And in its semi-restored state, I have to say, it is a splendid site. Far more interesting than uh, maybe some of the palaces or castles that uh, charge very high entrance fees. I do recommend visiting. Um, now, this is the first edition of what I like to think of McNallou's armchair, where I sit and relax with a dram in an armchair and share a few of my not terribly profound thoughts with you as I go. But since this is the very first one, I thought I would invite a guest. None other than Richard Stallman. Uh, Now, unfortunately, Richard does have, have a habit of saying much the same thing in every interview and not necessarily answering the question directly. And he interrupts quite a lot. So I've had to take the precaution of putting masking tape over his mouth and locking him in the cupboard. Please excuse any banging and muffled shouts that you may hear. But we do love Richard and respect all he has done for free software. uh, No way am I commenting upon that. Well, this is only supposed to be a short segment, and in case I accidentally say something profound and interesting, I think I better draw this first edition of McNally's Armchair to a close. And I hope that next time I visit a nice, comfortable residence, most likely in Scotland, but it could be in England or it could be abroad somewhere. Um, I'll record another edition for inclusion on the Duffer cast. But until then, sink back into your soft, velvety cushions. Pour yourself a wee dram of whiskey, or maybe a measure of brandy, or whatever drink takes your fancy. Close your eyes, sit back, and relax. And be a true Duffer. Well, that was interesting. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that. Or, only if it went in... <laughs> Do you want to hear about my terrible day? Uh, yesterday was my terrible day. Go on then. Well, it started off quite well. I took my daughter to nursery, took my son to school, and then the, the, the traffic was really bad. I hate, I just hate driving around town. I, I avoid it, but I have no choice in the morning to get the run out. And uh, as I was coming out the small road from the car park to the main road, Totally jam packed with traffic. The car in front of me suddenly stuck its reverse lights on. And I thought, what on earth is it doing? I thought, oh, it must be reversing into that space. So I thought, well, I better get back. Check my rear view mirror, reversed back, there's nothing behind me. Then scrape, oh no, what's that? Look behind, no car. Look into my blind spot, a car had sort of just come up behind me in my blind spot, and I'd scraped the front of it. So I got out and spoke to the guy, and it turned out to be a dad, one of the other dads in my son's class and thankfully he was very understanding you could see what had happened and that was that was fine so yeah that was not a good, good start to the day then I got home and I thought right I'm not driving the car into town I'm going to get my bike that's a much more sensible machine so I got my bike cycled off down to the canal uh, the canal towpath and uh, this dog leaps out in front of me I have to do a sort of full bike emergency stop which unlike a car means you might go over the handlebars but I managed to stay on and then the dog to my utter amazement uh, was running with its head bent backwards. so It was looking in the opposite direction to it was ru- the direction it was running and then slammed it into the front of my bike. <laughs> so I got run over by a dog.
4: Must be a
3: duffer dog. That's an <laughs> impressive event.
1: It was. I a mean, really quite a hard thump of my front tyre. You know, it's quite hard, you know, pumped up tyre. I did fuel for the dog a little bit, not that much. Uh, but I cycled off in case the owner uh, decided because it might have looked like I'd run the dog over, but in fact the dog had run into me. I was stationary right at the time. Uh, you know what dog owners can be like; some would be quite protective of their their pooches. Anyway, so I cycled off. Uh, we did an exchange in insurance details, and then um, what else happened that day? Oh yes, I've been trying to apply for this thing called disclosure, which I don't know if it's, it might be a Scottish thing, but if you want to like, help out it. If I want to help out at my son's school, I have to fill out this form. It gets sent away, and they decide on the basis of this form that I'm not a paedophile or something. And then they let you go into the school and help out. Now, I've tried, the first time I tried to fill it in, on some technicality, they decided that I hadn't filled in the right bits. So they sent it back. And then I filled it out again, and then they sent it back again. And the second time, I thought, what have I done now? And they said I hadn't put my address on it. I thought, well, that's funny, because They pre-filled my address into this bit of the form. So I phoned them up and I said, look, my address is is on the form. I put my address in the form. And the woman said, ah, but did you put your address in the box underneath that? And I went, you mean in the box that says, do not put your current address in this box? And and she went, yes, you have to put your current address in that box. Uh, So I filled that out. uh, And, well, hopefully that'll be okay. But it doesn't look very good being rejected twice for this disclosure thing uh, because people start thinking there's something wrong with you. So that was my that was my bad day. And then oh, and then the, the brake bulb failed in my car and that was the fourth thing. So uh, that was
3: that was the end of my bad day.
2: So that's now an, another new section of the uh, of the show that we have called Andrew's Bad Day.
3: Talking about bad days, I did manage into the cellar at the weekend.
1: And how did you do that?
3: Well, I was clearing the garage and in the process of cleaning the garage, I found this rug that I'd bought years and years ago. And ba- basically what happened is when we moved into the house, we put the rug down, the cat promptly peed on it. And um, so we folded it up and put it in the carriage and said, OK, we'll find somewhere else to put it. And I looked at this rug and I thought, oh, it's a perfectly good rug. And I remember quite liking it. So I'll wash it. So I stuffed it in the washing machine, which is also in the cellar. And turns out it wasn't machine washable. The washing machine, seriously, it shredded the rug and basically the rug shreddings blocked the filter and it took me three attempts of opening the bloody filter up and pulling everything out and then just to drain the water and then um, another two hours mopping oil, mopping it all up nice can you knit it together no no it's it's utterly destroyed it's utterly destroyed it's um i will never go near a washing machine again
1: can you just put the 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 pile of mangled threads in the middle of the floor and say to everyone that that's my new kind of rug? That's what it looks like.
3: <laughs> well, well, may- maybe we could position the um, the couch over the hole, and um, if no one can see the rug, then no one will see the hole.
4: Can't you glue it to the
3: floor? It would still have a hole, though. I mean, I mean seriously, the, you know, it just wasn't machine washable at all. So the thing has the washing machine has literally shredded it.
1: You've reminded me of this, I guess you could call this a, a McNally's confession, because this is, a, this is a confession, that when I was in my student days with some friends, I rented this, uh, a huge a huge number of us, like 15 of us, rented this lovely house somewhere in the west of um, Ireland, and we stayed there for a week. And I had this amazingly huge sitting room, uh, and it had lots of had two, two sofa suites in it, uh, and another half of the of the living room was empty. It was, it was a ridiculously si- sized room, even with two sofa, like two three piece suites in it. But what we discovered is that the the casters on the uh, on on the chairs were such that if you sat in the armchairs and there was four armchairs, then you could sort of walk yourself around the living room. And so we used to play this game called Daleks, where basically we would just pretend to be Daleks in these armchairs. <laughs> And we did this all week, especially when we were a bit inebriated. And when we, when we were leaving, we'd noticed that we'd actually ripped up quite a lot of the carpet. We hadn't noticed until we started tidying up before we left. So what we did was we left the the sofa, the three piece suite, in the strangest positions in this large room. You know, totally like no, nobody would ever sit or use the room in, in that configuration, just in the hope that the person who owned it wouldn't notice what happened to the carpet before we managed to hightail it back to Scotland. Not something I'm proud of, actually. A very really naughty thing to do. But then he yeah never he never got in touch. He didn't seem to be too bothered about it. Uh,
4: well uh, let's hope NSA is not recording all all your all all your confessions, because then maybe you will have any very uh, even more trouble the next time you have to fill fill out one of those forms for being in or doing duty in school.
1: Yes, we wouldn't want that. Although, there wasn't a, a part in the forum for have you played Daleks in a house on the west coast of Ireland and destroyed a carpet? That wasn't one of the questions, I don't think.
4: <laughs> Maybe that will be in the future. You know, visa applications for to the US, like have you ever been a member of a communist party? Have you ever been treated for mental illness? Have you ever been, I don't know, there's a long list. <laughs> Maybe they will add something like have you ever played Daleks in in a sofa before?
1: Yeah, God. Well, some of those. I remember it was that green i ninety four temporary visa form, visa waiver form that I had to fill in when I used to travel over to the states. And I remember there was one question, like of the ones you mentioned, that really got me. It was something like, "Have you ever knowingly or unknowingly convicted a crime that you were or were not prosecuted for?" So if you were, if you unknowingly committed a crime that you were not prosecuted (laughs) for. Uh, basically, it, whatever you answered, you'd incriminated yourself.
4: Sounds like Monty Python or uh, Kut fornegut or something.
1: Yeah, there was, was quite a few like that. Apparently, that that that, that was the one I noticed. But a friend of mine told me that there were several were designed to catch you out and you know m- make it sound like you're a Nazi if they ever wanted to identify you in, as such and refuse you entry.
4: It's like, uh, have you ever made any strange statements on the internet? <laughs>
1: Like that one, you mean?
4: Yeah, well, I think most people have.
1: Yeah. No, no, anyone who's used the internet has made a strange statement on it. <laughs>
4: President Obama visited Sweden, was it yesterday, and one of the public service TV channels, they had like from 10 in the morning to, I don't know, 6 in the afternoon, you know, blah, 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 blah about this visit. Well, it wasn't much Obama because he 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 wasn't visible very much but they had a lot of people in the studio. I just saw small bits of it but it's like... Wow, oh, I don't know. It's just a political ritual, really, of a state visit. It's not like they do anything, I suppose. And then he went to Russia. So would you be excited if Obama visited your countries?
1: No. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, has he, I don't think he's ever been to Scotland, but certainly, obviously, he's been to London, hasn't he?
2: He might have done, I no, don't remember.
3: I can't remember to be honest yeah it's um I know he's spoken to Cameron, but um i don't know if I don't know if he has been to the u k yeah, well,
1: was speaking to Cameron bad enough that
3: True, put me off true, true, true.
1: did you see did anyone see that um bit of graph um, uh, urban art that was post there was a link flying around saw it somewhere, and it was um George Bush. Sort of holding forth, it was a you no, know, it was a drawing, very good drawing on, on a wall somewhere. George Bush, Bush holding uh, George W. Bush hold, holding forth, like giving some animated speech, and in his hand he had uh, a, a face mask, and on the face mask was Obama's face, looking somewhat forlorn. Oh, it was great; it was, quite, <laughs> quite, 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 it was really well <laughs> done. I'll try and look up the link. I must have been in StatusNet somewhere that saw it.
4: Just struck me, the, the this federation thing, I mean, usually people say, I saw on Facebook, blah, blah, I saw on Twitter, blah, blah, and then everybody goes to Facebook, goes to Twitter, because there, they're, that's the place where they all hang out. But when we mention, well, you can mention a website or something, but if you mention somebody said on his status net or his pump IO instance, and it's not... So obvious where to go, and I suppose if you never heard of this, it's totally incomprehensible when we refer to it.
1: Yes, that's a good, that's a good point. It is a bit of a it is a bit of a problem. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. So I call it Status Net, and I call it the Fediverse. Uh, it's almost like we don't even have a name for it. Uh, it's it's confusing. Um, I suppose I suppose uh, I suppose Fediverse is probably the best that we've got, but it sounds a bit a bit strange and. A bit like the FBI runs it or something.
2: Just one of the downsides of having a, a non centralized social network is that, I mean, particularly particularly when status.net is actually going to be moving away from status.net at some way, uh, time in the f- near very near future, it, there is no central name for this, this product other than what what is now GNU Social. If you go to GNU Social, you don't actually get to see any of our posts. You have to go to one of the instances that use it not the software it's the, the platforms that run that software
3: true true it's um yeah I, I think it's that's one of these things there's not really any way of getting, of getting around that you just need to yeah it's, as as people start using it as people get used to the idea then it will grow i hope
1: mm. yeah I, I do stop and wonder about that uh, uh how you know how we're going to break away from this—the the, the, the centralized server's advantage of, you know, you, everyone knows where it is as one simple URL. Uh, that, you know, the, I'm sure the federation stuff, the remote instances talking to each other—I'm sure that's a technical problem that can be solved. Um, but uh, you know, I suppose in, in Pompeo, they've got that that fire hose thing, haven't they? So yeah. something like that. You know, the, the central—I don't know sort of fear for all traffic uh, uh, is needed somehow.
2: That's one of the features of Pompeo that I think kind of trumps pretty much any non-centralized uh, social network. Although at the same time, it also takes away the control of the data that is held on your server. Because rather than it just being presented to the service that you subscribe to or, the, or that subscribe to you, you're now pushing it, pushing everything, To a central location that theoretically anybody can get to which kind of puts it in the same it makes it now a centralized um, centralized data service
1: but can you set up your pumpio server not to send it to firehose or or is that just impossible
2: no no you can but you have to tell it not to i think because in the the default configuration for pumpio it's in there as as the firehose
4: uh, what is this right. Fire hose?
2: i'm not really using
4: pump anymore so
2: it's just a central location that all your
3: notices i think
2: uh get sent to as well as um the the people that subscribe to so
3: it's not really decentralized at all then or or am i missing something
2: well it's decentralized as the 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 service is your own therefore you are running it on your hardware so if um, Microcast was to go down, then, and you were on Pump Dog, then you'd still be okay, theoretically. If you're running your own instance, you only have to worry about your own instance going down, though you do kind of then lose the whole federation aspect if there's no other service to talk to, at least your server's there.
3: But are you, but is your instance a client of the Firehose, or, I mean, how, how does that, that work?
2: The Firehose is a, it's not yet, is it a client? No, because you push to it, so. It, it's, it's, it's a collection service, so everything that you post to your instance, as well as going out the federated route to your subscribers, it also gets pushed out to this this additional service, unless you tell it otherwise. But it's a it's it's on or it's off. You can't say I don't want this particular notice to go to the firehose, and presumably, unless you post it private.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's like a a kind of grand unified uh, public timeline. uh, Mm. uh, That's one way to view it. Um, I I I think it's a very good idea, uh, but of course, one wonders if Pump.io really takes off and really gets uh, scaling adoption. Whether whether that can still work or. Like Evan will be back to the the place he was with Identica. He has this one centralized service which is just gobbling up resources. But I suppose if Pompeo takes off maybe you'll have the revenue to, to fund it properly, I don't know.
2: You you could run your own fire hose. You know, the firehose the fire hose service itself is 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 open source. You could run your own instance of the fire hose. But I don't know whether you have the 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 federational connectivity, there's a phrase for you, um, to connect the fire hoses together to provide one single decentralized network. Kind of it, it, it does kind of beg the question what the purpose of the fire hose is, because I don't think it's actually used as part of the federation of the Pump.io servers.
1: Well you could I mean of course the, the analogy is drinking from the fire hose, you have a fire hose shower, fire hose enema. I mean there's lots of uses for the fire hose.
4: Don't forget ball cockery.
1: <laughs> well without the ball cockery where where, where would the flooding end? You know, I mean, Paul's basement uh, rug problem would would pale in comparison.
2: I don't think your com your common plastic ballcock is actually going to have much of an effect against a I don't know how many um, pounds per square inch fire hose.
3: That's true. That's why you need a brass ballcock.
2: I think even a brass one would suffer. Titanium? How expensive would that be?
3: Well, I'll go to my
1: plumber's merchants tomorrow and. Uh, and tell you how how long he lasts for when I ask for it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that that'd be something though, wouldn't it? Gold plated taps and uh, and and waste and t- t- titanium bulcock. You can just see it in the uh, the home information pack if you try and sell your house. We've got titanium ballcocks
1: Yeah, I I don't know about you guys, but see when you go into a, a plumber's merchants or a, a car spare parts depot or whatever it is. And you've well, I always get this thing where I go in and ask for something like a brake bulb, like I had to do the other day, and the guy looks at me like, "What do you want a brake bulb for?" And then he asks me some question, like, "You want a pair of brake bulbs, don't you?" And I went, no, just one. They always say something that makes me feel I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's, uh, but it's in particular these trade counters. Maybe I just don't look like a car mechanic or a, a plumber or whatever they they usually deal with.
2: As luck would have it, I used to work in both a builder's merchant and a car accessories retailer. <laughs> um, but you, usually, I want a brake bulb would be responded with the phrase, "What car is it for?"
1: Yeah, okay. I did say I did I did specify my make and model of car, and fully expected him to then ask me the registration number, which he did. Uh, but you see, that went, that went, bit, bit went fine. It was only when he asked if I wanted the pair of bulbs. And I said, no, he gave me the look like, oh, idiot, you want a pair of bulbs? <laughs>
2: Again, that kind of makes sense from, from having worked in that environment. When you're when you when you're replacing bulbs, it kind of makes sense to replace both of them at the same time. Because if the bulbs have been active for a long time, they do deteriorate. So, you know, a bulb that, I mean, a brake light is a 21-watt bulb. And over time, the, the brightness of it, it will go down to the point where it only looks like it's a 5-watt bulb. So replacing one, you replace both. Certainly with um, front headlamps, because they they run so hot, they deteriorate quicker. So if you're going to re- if one goes and you need to replace it, it is better to replace the two. So again, it it, it, it is kind of understandable. Else, the other guy was
1: completely ignorant. You see, you could have said something like that to me. Because I know for brakes, I would replace brakes in my car myself. And I know, obviously, you don't just replace the brakes on one side. (laughs) You always like to have a matching pair of brakes for fairly obvious reasons. But it never occurred to me that there might be a similar sensible reason for bulbs. But thank you for enlightening me. And next time I'll go in and I'll say, yes, please, I'll take your implicit advice uh, and spend one 80 instead of 90p, which is what it would have cost me.
4: I think I listened to this conversation and break. it took me like two min- minutes or more to realize it It has something to do with the brakes of the car. I, I thought of brake like in broken, so I thought, "What well, is brake bulb, so I-, I tried to frantically find it on the internet while you were talking. It's a brake bulb, what's this strange stuff?
1: <laughs> well, I suppose there is... The, the light that comes on the dashboard that tells you your car is broken in some way. That would be a, a, a broken bulb. Uh, but, you know, it mean, does make some sense.
4: Yeah, no, or it, it's a lamp that is lightened up will tell you that you need a, a,
3: a brake. Or even the red triangle you put out when you have come down. Because it's not um, self-illuminated, so that probably doesn't count. Hmm, you might have
1: come up with a good invention.
3: Yeah,
2: that's a brake bulb. Every car should have a light on the dashboard that just says Duffer, and it just appears randomly for no apparent reason whatsoever.
4: (laughs) 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 Patent it now. Patents. It's open hardware. Duffers are open hardware, or no? Did I misunderstand?
2: I suppose that's as good a definition as any. It's a bro- broken hardware.
1: I don't think I've got any open hardware in the house. I'm trying to think of one device I have where I would say, oh, that's open hardware. Lots of open, you know, like free and open source software, obviously, but open hardware? Hmm, not so sure.
4: Oh, cups, glasses, cutlery, <laughs> that's open hardware. Tables, chairs, the nuts and bolts that hold them together. Door? Doors?
1: <laughs> okay, I was thinking more of the electronic goods in the house, but uh, yes, fair point.
4: I think an ordinary lamp or, you know, there's not many patents in those, I suppose, unless it's these new types of bulbs or something, maybe they have a lot of patents.
2: poise lamps are probably um, patented.
1: Yeah, I've got a few of those bedside lights where you just touch any metal part of the light, the base or the stem, and they change brightness. I imagine there's a patent and them. It's a very good idea, I like it.
4: Now I just well, maybe not changing subject, but I remember that a very old type of bottles where the the how do you say the core or the plug or something? It's well it used to be made of porcelain and then it's like a metal uh, thing that locks the plug on the bottle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
3: grills huge is that.
4: Uh, actually, in Swedish, if I translate it, it's uh, called patent cork, as in yeah. I just remember that it must have been a patent of it like a hundred years ago or something.
1: Oh, that's interesting because I actually have a bottle of some posh fizzy pomegranate juice that somebody brought me when they came around that has exactly one of those things on it. But it, as far as I know, in English, it doesn't have a, a name. But I shall refer to it as a patent cork, knowingly in conversation from now on, uh, and refer them to this episode of the Duffercast as they object.
4: Yeah, they're still made, I think. I think I've seen in shops that you can actually buy such bottles.
2: According to the Grolsch wiki page, the the actual closer itself is called a swing-top cap. But the bottle that a Grolsch is uh, is provided in is known as a debugle. A debugle? um I, I would suggest probably burgle rather than bugle but uh, or burgle but no, i don't know i don't do dutch
1: when i as another student story of mine i remember going to a bar to order a grouse a famous grouse whiskey unfortunately i was so drunk at the time that they wouldn't serve me uh, the grouse. they kept giving me grolsch because that's how <laughs> that's how grouse came out when i said it
4: uh, i checked out looked up this uh, Patent Cork, or well, it's not in English, and it was actually a patent 1877, at least in Sweden. Yeah, that's the one. Maybe that was when people heard that name, maybe that was for many people the first time they even heard the word patent. I suppose in 1877 in Sweden, it wasn't (laughs) that many patents around.
1: I like, uh, I'm very fond of the bottle that my beverage comes in, usually, and, and especially for beers, and my favourite bottle, uh, although the beer inside is isn't actually my favourite, but my favourite bottle is the St Peter's Ale. comes in a, a green label and an orange label, I forget which is which, and the bottle is modelled in some, uh, some ancient or old bottle, uh, so it really looks quite distinctive. Uh, the beer's quite nice, but the, the bottle's best.
4: Was that the St Peter's Brewery?
1: Yes, I think it's a, quite an interesting story. Like somebody who worked in the city got fed up being a city lawyer or stockbroker, or whatever it was, and thought, right, I'm off to Norfolk or some county in the south of England, and said, I'm going to set up a brewery. And so that's, I think that's St Peter's Ale, that's the story behind it. And it's he's you know, done a pretty good job, I have to say. Seems to, I mean, all the, the, the beer is available in most of the supermarkets around the country.
4: Yeah, the bottle looks pretty unique. They have their own style, then.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a replica of a, of a bottle from some well, hundreds of years ago, I think it said.
4: Yeah, it looks great.
1: Yes, well, a little bird tells me uh, that we're coming to the end of this episode of the Duffercast.
4: And the whole thing is of such high quality, so it's very hard to cut anything out.
3: Well, that'll make the editing very easy then, won't it?
1: Well, it's actually quite it actually is quite easy, because it, in order to cu- cut the draws out, since we're in multi-channel, you just have to delete my track, uh, and then there'll be a lot of awkward pauses, but other than that, it'll be fine.
2: <laughs> well, the bad news is that I'm going to be editing this particular episode, um, so it's going to. It's not going to come out anywhere near the, the quality that uh, the Gavin would normally have, have done. Um, for which i apologize in advance
1: uh, and unless anyone else is desperate to do it i'm happy to write the show notes again i quite enjoyed doing it last time
2: well volunteered should we should we do this irishly and uh, no offense to anybody who is irish or of irish origin um and and introduce ourselves on the way out so that people do know who we are
1: y- yeah that's, that sounds like a great idea and i'm offended well a third of me and be a quarter of me is offended because uh, i am a bit irish
4: how, how did the Irish come into the this?
2: Well when a mummy and a daddy love each other very much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yes. I was actually my grandfather and grandmother, my father's side, who are who were Irish. So it was my when my grandfather and grandmother loved each other very much.
2: Yes anyway, should we should we go from the uh the, 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 the top of the list down and
1: uh, bid our farewells? Which list? Sorry, <laughs> this sounds extremely personal, doesn't?
3: Oh, I see in the in the mumble window. Yes. Well, in that case, I would like to Paul. Good night.
4: Uh, I'm Michael, uh, also called Inskus. Uh, thank you for listening this far. You are a very brave person.
1: And I am Andrew, also known as McNalu, and I bid you a good night. And I'm amazed at your patience for getting this far.
4: And
2: I was the love bug, or the one known as Dave, and I don't know what they, the rest of them are talking about. This show's only going to be six minutes long, so I think you've done, done pretty well to get here as quickly <laughs> as you have done. Um, if you want to find out more about this show and more all about, then our website is at duffercast.org.
0: I listen all you prize fighters who don't want to meet your feet. Listen, all you pride fighters who don't want to meet defeat. Take a tip from me, the old Joe Louis is beat. Now he's won all his fights, twenty-three or four, and left twenty of his opponents lying on the floor. They all tried to win. But the task was too hard when he laid that hound bone up against that bar. Listen, all oh, you pride fighters, don't play him too cheap. If he lands with either hand, he'll sure put you to sleep.
4: Have we started recording yet?
2: Uh, no, I'm going to go back.
0: Hey, that's my line.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back and do that in a minute.
4: Oh no, the recording didn't work. We have to do it all over again. What, all four of them?
1: Yeah, all four of us are recording. Wow, we are really multiply redundant. That's, that's just impressive.
2: Multiply redundant. Is that a show title? I think that's a show
3: title.
4: <laughs> is that is that recording, or is it just our red noses? I don't know, but it makes a, like, a nice pattern on my screen, because it kind of
2: goes right, left, right, left.
1: And, and then there's also an A little ball on top, and a plus next to it, next to in Inskius C- w- and Lovebug. What's that about? We're special.
3: They're authenticated.
1: <gasps> so I might not be the real McNalu. How will I know?
2: If you right-click on your name and choose Register...
1: Aha, uh-huh. right. And then I'll know I'm me.
2: Yes, but it does mean that if you reinstall your Mumble client, you'll have to um, take your Mumble certificate with you, otherwise you won't be able to log in with that name.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. This is something I'll do. I I can do offline. I presume I don't need to do it right now when I'm no, 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 will screw it
2: up. Right. Otherwise, you'll have to be McNalu underscore or
1: something. Oh no, I wouldn't like that.
4: (laughs) These red dots. Yeah, it's a bit zigzag. It looks a bit like slalom. Slalom. uh, You know, skiing. Yes, slalom. Slalom. Yeah. It could almost be a transparent
2: domino.
1: I'll just take a screenshot of this uh, so we can link to it in the show notes. Just you know, just for completeness, because our listeners don't know what we're talking about.
2: Send me that. That could be our album art this week,
4: this month. Yeah, we can call it Hot Lips. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh,
1: you should get together with uh, uh, At Whistle Right and uh, turn that into an erotic short story.
4: <laughs> Slalom with Hot Lips. Or what was the show title?
2: Um, multiply redundant.
4: Oh, that's that's capture. <laughs>
1: captures
4: it very well.
1: (laughs) Well, I see. The explanation is that we're so redundant that you could lose all four of us from tonight's show and it wouldn't
3: have affected the quality. I think it would have improved the quality, actually.
4: Maybe you could re- release it as four separate tracks, and people can like put them together. You should have some easy-to-use program, and you can just shuffle, shuffle yeah, the channels around, and it, you can listen to it five, ten times, and it's like new every time. And it does; it makes absolutely as, as um, yeah, I, I, as, as, yeah. The level of uh, making sense is the same, however you
3: <laughs> shuffle them around. <laughs> Podcasting for hackers. We say we give you the the individual tracks. We'll leave you to sort them out yourself. Why here's an idea. Why don't we just release two
2: hundred and seventy three seconds of silence? That'll rake in the money.
4: <laughs> That's like what John Cage or was it four thirty three? The the piece when the oh yeah yeah yes two hundred and seventy three seconds of
2: silence. Oh, never mind. That's a bit artsy fartsy. <laughs> That's definitely not Duffery, though, is it? Artsy-fartsy.
4: No. I don't know about art,
3: but I know what I like.
4: Oh, Paul, by the way, what did you link to me a few days ago? Some English comedy, and there was one. Uh,
3: oh, what was yeah, the, fa- the, f- the Fast Show, and it was Roking QC. Yeah, it was hilarious. I laughed so much. He's a great, great character, yeah. It's, um, yeah. And, and that's who I... And Roley Birkin is who I always think of when, when when people say, you know, Duffer to me.
1: Oh, is he the chap who just goes... Giant cheese!
3: That's the one, yes, yeah. Yeah, and I was very, very
1: drunk. Oh, yes, I, I love him. And I, one the one I like is the... Uh, but me, the third Earl of whatever it is, in a girls' conference school, with my reputation.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's another good one. Uh, uh,
4: The other day, I saw, I've seen it three times, A movie. Oh, I forgot the name. He he is a police officer in London, but he is so successful, so they transfer him to a small town. Oh, Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz, yeah. Mm. And and there are some kind of duffers in there. Like, uh, they're going to see someone who's been uh, cutting down the neighbor's trees or something, and they have to translate three times because his dialect is so (laughs) strange, so it's just kind of mumbling. Anyway, probably time to go. But we just got started. Just one more hour and this will be great. (laughs) I suppose Andrew has fallen asleep.
1: No, sorry, I was was busy uh, uh, taking a snapshot. And uh, screwing it up and taking a snapshot of every window except for the mumble window in the-
4: <laughs> So, did you take snapshots of yourself? You mean, and you, now you're going to post them? Huh?
1: Mm, no, no, I, I don't do that kind of thing on the internet anymore. Not since the court order.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I know, I know, we should be stopping, but this time I was drinking with this friend of mine. And he's he's a bit older than me, and he's got two well that time they were like mid-teenage daughters and he was very drunk and he said you see all these girls all these young girls they pick, take pictures of themselves and they post themselves on the internet so they're all doing it all the girls are doing it and i said to him, what even your daughters and he got furious went not my daughters of course not my daughters every all the girls except for them and i'm like, oh, sorry mate you know <laughs> you, you did say all the girls do this which i
0: thought was a bit much Now he packs that might in his left He carries the plunging right Either one will make you groggy Or as high as a kite He charges on his opponent From the beginning of the gong He batters them into submission Then they all sing a song I bet on the brown bumper For he knows his stuff And lays it on his opponent Until he get enough Now he's a natural-born fighter who likes to fight them all The bigger they come, he says, the harder they fall That terrific left, boys is all he needs But that six ain't right, come with sliding speed Listen, all you prize fighters Don't play him too cheap Take a tip from me. The old
3: you lose will beat. How's that? Uh, just don't breathe. Okay, I'll try and breathe. It was on. <laughs> con- it, it was on continuous. So I'm sorry about that. It's um, uh, yeah. Last minute um, configuration changes. My 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 bad. This installation. Yes. That's yeah. That's funny, that. funny. Funny that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, started trying out antigoth, which I've probably mispronounced. But um, there you go. You need the prescription for that. Pardon? Pardon?
1: I think he was asking if you had a prescription for it.
3: No, you get it over the counter. Right, right.